Good to see y'all. Hope you're enjoying this snowy morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. The girls have been already outside running around and uh, they're begging me to go out there with them. So I wanted to start this morning. Let's go ahead and sing a song um, and then I'll get into the message. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding joy Amen. What a blessing it is to be with you guys today. Before we get in, let's start with a prayer. <clears throat> Father God, I pray that you would be with us as we learn about joy today. From Mary, the mother of Jesus, help our hearts to be open that we to, have, to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. Help us to live a life marked by joy because of what you have done for us in Jesus, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so to review, the last few Sundays, we've talked about hope and peace. Two things that we wouldn't have if it wasn't for Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about joy. To tell you the truth, this sermon's been a struggle for me personally. For one, it's been a hard year. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We're missing families and loved ones. There's political unrest. There's economic instability and more. Um, and I think we all have a bit of fear and some anxiety, some depression. It can be hard to find joy when things that are happening in our lives point to the opposite. While studying and preparing this message, I've been convicted that my joy quotient has been low. I am repenting of this today. Uh, in looking at the news and social media and the lack of normalcy, it's easy to get discouraged and distracted. The news is we should be the most joyful. The truth is we should be the most joyful people in the world because we have the greatest news in the world. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. All right, so let's start out by talking about what joy isn't and what joy is. <clears throat> the dictionary defines joy this way. Joy, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. I don't think this is the meaning of joy, a biblical meaning of joy. It misses the mark. That's more of a passing happiness. That's the kind of joy that you get when you get a promotion, or you have a perfectly cooked ribeye steak, or you get something that you've been waiting for a long time. These joys are temporary, and they're fleeting. Here's a better de definition I'd like to work off of. This is from the Bible Project. Joy. It's an attitude that God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. Put another way, Christian joy is the profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. Joy is an attitude and a decision, and as we will later see, it's a gift from God. So let's keep this in mind and begin today's lesson. Before we get to the main scripture today, I want to give you a lens to look at, look at, look at it through. Let's think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. So Mary is about to get the most wonderful, world-changing news. She's a devout Christian, or she's a devout Jewish teenager girl. She has heard all the promises and prophecies and is waiting expectantly for the Messiah, the anointed king, to show up and rescue Israel. The Jewish people have been waiting a long time. It's hard to wait sometimes, though. 
The promise of the Messiah was first revealed, actually, after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis, it says, God told the serpent, I am declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head, you'll wound his heel. That's a, since the earliest days of Christianity, that verse has been considered the first announcement of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's often referred to as the first gospel. It's a first partial unveiling of God's future plan of salvation. Thousands of years and many prophecies later, the Jewish people and Mary are still waiting for this Savior who would ruin the serpent's head and rule as king. Israel up to this point of Jesus had been waiting and waiting through various exiles, persecutions, and enslavements. Now that we have a little bit of background, open your Bibles or your apps, and let's look at the story of Mary. We'll be reading today from Luke 1, 26-56. It's a little bit long, but I think it's really going to make an impact if we really look at it. Okay, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month. What of, of bearing, and she used to be barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. What a response! May it be to me according to your word. She believed at this point, she had most likely some elation, some terror, joy, and nervousness. And so she decides to verify the news that Gabriel just gave her, and she travels to be with her relative Elizabeth. Continuing on. In those days Mary arose and went to haste into the hill country, to a town of Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. As Jonathan mentioned last week, the baby Elizabeth is carrying is John the Baptist, the one who will prepare the way for Jesus. He just did a somersault on Elizabeth because he is filled with joy. Mary has her verification. Her elderly, previous barren relative is very pregnant, and she, filled with the Holy Spirit, recognizes Mother Mary as the mother of the Savior without Mary even having to tell her. With this overwhelming news, Mary bursts out into song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on my humble estate of his servant. 
For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he is mighty, who has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown his strength from with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts and in their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich are sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned home. There's a lot to unpack in those verses, but I really want to focus on Mary's song. The Magnificat, which is Latin for magnify, is the longest set of words spoken by a woman in the New Testament. So let's look at Mary. She was a poor, young, believed 14 to 17 year old teenager who just found out that she was going to be pregnant out of wedlock in a high shame culture where she could have been stoned for being pregnant outside of marriage. And yet, what was her response to the anxiety and fear and doubts that she must have felt? Worship and gratitude and belief. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's response is grounded in joy. And for good reason. She finally has hope because the long-awaited Savior is coming into the world. He just so happens to be coming through her. The oppression will soon cease. Not necessarily from the worldly powers, but from the forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. This Savior will crush the head of the serpent. The world is going to be made whole and right again. She's in awe that after a thousand years worth of waiting, that God selected her to carry his own son. She could carry. She would be carrying the Savior of the world, the long-awaited anointed one of Israel that would put all things right. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God in her. She was filled with joy and gratitude that God selected her. God gave his son to be formed in Mary's body. That is unique. But actually what God is doing Christian is forming his son in you. Okay, so picture that on the front of Fortune magazine. The richest people of 2020, or they really have no money at all. And the really strong ones have no pictures of their muscles. And the really influential ones no, have no Facebook or Instagram followers. What a strange way for God to work. He didn't come to a palace. He came to a stable. He didn't come through a queen. He came through a humble Jewish girl. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in an animal feeding trough. He didn't wear a crown that was full of gold or precious jewels. He wore a crown of thorns. And he wasn't lifted up on the throne. He was lifted up on a cross. God turns expectations on their head. Mary's song continues. It says, He has shown strength with his arm. God scatters the proud in their thoughts and their hearts, brings down the powerful, brings down the mighty from their thrones, exalts those of humble estate like Mary. God has filled the hungry with good things. God doesn't leave us empty, but provides for us. And he disperses the prosperous, the rich are sent away. This is not a fine, nice little song. This is revolutionary. Theologian Warren Carter writes that in the time of Jesus, 2-3% of the population was rich, while the majority lived in abject poverty. Mary articulates an end to economic structures that are exploitive and unjust. She speaks of a time when all will enjoy the good things given by God. It may not feel like good news to you exactly, if you are someone who is neither hungry nor poor, but Mary and her song are good news for our neighbors, both locally and globally, who continue to be crushed under a world that thrives on exploitation and injustice. 
And as someone who's trying to take the Bible seriously, we need to, we know that the number one way is by loving our neighbor is the is the best way to love God. Here's some good news too. His mercy is for those who fear him. God brings down brings them down in order to raise them up into new life. That's why it's important to realize that the mighty God is a merciful God, that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God exalts those in humble estate, those who have the ability to recognize that they don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I do need to be forgiven. I have made quite a mess. God comes to that humble heart. Then also the hungry heart. He fills the hungry with good things. It's this spiritual hunger that God comes to satisfy. He helps the helpless and hungry, and we get to be the ones who spread this good news. It's not all hopeless. We have hope, peace, and joy because we have a Savior. Amen. So what does all this mean to us? Here's some takeaways. <clears throat> Point one, gratitude unlocks joy. Say it again. again. Gratitude unlocks joy. Mary rejoices in God, her Savior, because she is so grateful. The world will forever be changed through this gift of love that she carried. We must cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Joy comes from remembering what Christ did for us. As Paul commands, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Can you say, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior? What a mighty and loving Savior we have. What a reason to rejoice. The most joyous people are those that are the most thankful for what God has done for them. It can be so easy to forget that we are covered and hidden in Christ. So take time this week to call to mind all the things that God has done in and through you and for you. And most of all, the sacrifice of His Okay. Point number two. All right, we're still alive, hopefully. <laughs> Point number two. God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. In God's kingdom, blessed are the poor. In spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the persecuted for their righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have great joy and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were with you before you. In God's kingdom, poor will be made glad, the strong humble, the humble exalted, the hungry will be filled. Jesus makes that all possible. If you are struggling to keep your head up, look to Jesus, the lifter of your head. Point number three. Joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a gift and a work of the Holy Spirit. As he causes us to see the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ, we receive in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord. As Paul says in Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Going back to the story of Mary, it is through the filling of the Spirit that Mary spills out in praise and rejoicing. We can't spill joy unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit. If we remember the first three, the gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, and peace. We can't have joy unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're sensing a depletion of joy, it's time to check your soul. Pray for the Lord to fill you to overflowing with this Spirit and with the gifts of the Spirit. 
Just as in the beginning the Holy Spirit hovered over the emptiness and helped God create light, the Spirit also hovered over Mary and said, Let there be the light of the world. And that same Spirit indwells us and makes us a city on a hill and a light unto the world. The Spirit leads us in joy as we go share the good news with others that Christ has done for us. And last point, have you prepared him room? When Mary heard the great news from Gabriel, she responded, Let it be according to your word. What a response. Can we say that to the Lord? Your will be done. Have your way with me. The song says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Here are a few questions to think on. Do you have room in your life for Jesus to work? Has your heart received the gift of Jesus' love and forgiveness? Has your heart prepared him room and his Holy Spirit room? Do you carry in your heart past mistakes, sin, habits, when there's no room for Jesus? Have you let him have your way, have his way, and made him Lord of your life? You'll never find complete joy without Jesus reigning on the throne of your life. Joy can only grow in the soil of commitment to the Lord. I'd like to end today with a reading. It's called A Creed of Joy. God is almighty, living, ruling Lord of all. He is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who dwells in heaven, a place of eternal joy. As the psalmist says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God created the universe for his own pleasure and enjoying it, enjoyed doing it. He brought into being planet Earth as an amazing, beautiful dwelling place for living creatures. He fashioned men and women in his image to glorify and serve him and to live and rule in peace and joy in the garden. And when he saw everything he had made, the totality of his creation, he smiled, and calling it very good. But something went wrong. Iniquity appeared. Sin entered humanity with its curse. And earth became a place of sorrow, a troubled segment of the universe. Because God loves his children, he sent his son Jesus to us by a virgin daughter of Israel with a mission to free the earth from its curse and to return all its people from their burden of sin to an abundant life of joy and praise. To those who receive him as Lord and acknowledge him as Savior, Jesus Christ promised forgiveness, redemption from sin, a new birth, answers to prayer, the outpouring of the Spirit of love, victory over death, and everlasting joy of heaven. And on the cross outside of Jerusalem, he kept that promise. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus bore our sins, accomplished our salvation, suffered and died, and rose again to everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus lives today at the Father's right hand in resurrected glory and fullness of joy. And he has promised to come back for his church and to bring us to where he is. What a joyful news this is. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you today. We thank you for giving us the gift of joy that is found only in Jesus. We thank you for saving us from our sins. We thank you that you've given us this church to belong to. And we thank you that Jesus came, lived, died, and was resurrected, and is reigning at your right hand. We thank you that you are coming back to take us home. Help us be filled with your spirit, to be full of joy, and to spread your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Sorry for the technical difficulties. I hope you got most of the message, and I'll talk to you guys soon.